What we wanted to do, if you're a guest this morning, thank you for coming out. My name is Pastor Rich Lee, Pastor here. What we showed you was a recap video of a, a conference we've had. We're part of a, a family of churches called Every Nation. And we have churches right now in 80 nations, which we're represented in that, in that conference. Uh, we had over 5,500 people show up from every tongue, every nation. Uh, we have 80 nations uh, that we're in. We have 113 more to go. But the most important thing, that was part of your family. That's part of your spiritual family. And what me and Miss Donna really want to say to you and say thank you so much because we did something here to get ready for this conference called Serve the World. And you guys gave, uh, we were able to sponsor uh, each foreign delegate um, at least $500 from the get to the states for this conference. And you guys gave, and we were able to talk to them personally about how you were able to give them the finances they need, but also you gave them the faith they needed to get there. And having over uh, um, 3,600 foreign delegates there, that is amazing. And then every year, we, every three years, we get to come together at our world conference, and we get to see what heaven looks like with all nations and every tongue and every tribe coming together and, and worshiping God. Something amazing happens. Um, there's a team of people that went with me, uh, me and Ms. Donna. You have the picture up there. Uh, the grandest moments was spending with uh, over 5,000 people, but the greatest other moments, the greatest moment I want to say is spending time with our family. Those from, and every, every generation is represented there. Um, they, didn't, they had the faith to go, and God made a way for them to get there. Um, our next conference will be in 2022, and it'll be in the nation of the Philippines. So uh, we do have a few Filipino delegates that come to this church because by way of Hendricks uh, um, um, Hospital, and we're going to be going. They're going to be our hosts as we go and we represent that conference. But I really want to let you know we're about spiritual family, and you're connected to something bigger than you can see around here, and you are bigger than you know. And we're all about family. And the greatest thing about family is we have special people that God brings to this church. Uh, we have a, guy, a speaker today. He's not even a guest speaker. He, he is one of the sons in the house, David Adams. David and Ashley have been able to uh, join us over a year ago. And they love God. They love you. One thing about David I have to just point out, I'm so amazed, one, for his love of God, two, his love of his family, but his, the humility that he walks in. And he has a word that's just going to change your, change your heart and transform your mind. So get your notebooks out. Listen to this. The man of God preaches from his heart on a subject he, well, he knows he says he's well acquainted with. Uh, so who's excited? Come on, get a lot of hand clap. Amen. Good morning, church. It's great to be here uh, in the house of God this morning, isn't it? Just to think that we can come together as a group of people, all different, and come and worship the same God. It's just amazing. Uh, if you want to go ahead and turn your Bibles to 1 Peter, the second chapter, uh, just put a thumbtack there for a second. Uh, so last week we started this new series called Baggage. Uh, baggage is, we're talking about these things, these items, the stuff that we carry with us in everyday life. As I was thinking about baggage, it, it kind of reminded me of when I worked at uh, the, Air, uh, the Air Force, at the airport, uh, I worked at the maintenance base. It's called Envoy now. It used to be called American Eagle. 
And I worked there when they implemented the bag fee, right? We all know what the bag fee is. It's this, yeah, it's terrible. I mean, y'all just flew. Y'all, it's where you take your bag, and you know, this is stuff you got to have. You got to have your clothes, right? So you take your bag up there, and you go, hey, here's my ticket. Here's my bag. And the lady goes, thank you for your ticket. You owe me $1,000 so your bag can fly with you, right? That's what they do. Well, working at the maintenance base, I knew some people uh, up at the terminal because I worked in parts, and a lot of times we had to go up there and take stuff to the plane, and we pick stuff up. And so I, I got to know some of the people up at the terminal. And I was talking to one guy about the, the recent implication of this, this bag fee. And he told me, he goes, you know, this, this bag fee is terrible. He goes, now what's happening is people have to pay to take their bags with them. It's costing them too much. And because of the baggage that they have to carry with them, they are not allowed to go to the places that they need to go. They're not allowed to go to the places they want to go. They're not allowed to do the things they want to do because their baggage is too expensive. Now hear those words and think about our own lives and these things that we carry around with us. And a lot of times God calls us and he wants us to go to places and a lot of times we can't because the baggage we carry with us, it costs us too much. It's too heavy it weighs us down. And so we started last week, and Pastor John speak, spoke on uncertain, uncertainty. And he talks about how uncertain is what is known beyond certain. So it's the stuff that we don't know. It's, I don't know what's going to happen in two weeks. I don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. It's these things that we're uncertain about. And he talked about also the fact that uncertainty doesn't have to be exactly a bad thing. Because, see, God, a lot of times, he calls us into things, and he calls us into the unknown. He calls us into the uncertainty of life. And so how we unpack this uncertainty is we have full faith and trust that God has what's best for us. And so this week, we're going to talk about worthless. And now, the first service, I almost dropped this because John didn't tell me how heavy it was. So, oh, that was a lot better. So we're going to talk about worthless, right? Worthless, if you look it up in dictionaries, is an adjective. And it's defined as something that has no use, something that has no value, no importance, good for nothing. Now, quick English lesson. An adjective is a thing, is a word that describes a person, place, or thing, right? And so today in this lesson, we are talking about us as people. And so when we are worthless, we're describing us as being good for nothing, no importance, no use. In high school, middle school, I played a few, uh, few sports in school. I played football for a little bit. I played soccer for a little bit, and then I had an injury around the summer of my sophomore, junior year that prevented me from playing anymore. But, you know, back in those days, we had these coaches, and they were great guys, and they loved to tell you just how terrible you were, <laughs> right? Who can agree with me? You know, by the time that my coaches got done with me, I couldn't kick, I couldn't run, I couldn't jump, I couldn't, I couldn't block, I couldn't, I, I was... Could even sit on a bench, right? You know, I mean, that's how great these guys were. <laughs> David Adams, what are you doing over there? You're in the wrong spot. <laughs> My bad, sorry. And so, but that's how they were, right? And so, what they did, they made you feel worthless. 
Their point was to tear you down so they could build you up to be the person you wanted to be. But however, the fact is they tore you down and they made you feel worthless. And I dare say I am not the only one who has ever felt that. I dare say this, there might be people in this room today that are feeling that. But that's not what God says about us. All right? So today, we're going to look at this worthless, and we are going to look at ways that we pack it. Because, I mean, a, a great philosopher, one of my favorite philosophers of all time, his name is G.I. Joe, right? Okay. He, he used to state, he says, knowing is half the battle, right? So knowing how we pack this bag of worthless, knowing how we pick that up and we carry it with us, that's just half the battle. Knowing that is important, because then we can realize that and we can see, oh, wait, no, I'm, I'm holding on to that. And then in the second half, we're going to look at ways that God shows us who we really are and our true worth and value. So today, go to your Bibles, Second Peter, sorry, First Peter, the second chapter, verse 9. And it says, but you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness and into marvelous light. Let us pray. Father God, thank you for all that you do. Thank you for who you are. Thank you for being here with us. Lord, this morning right now, God, there are people here who feel no good, who feel less than important. Lord, just start moving in their lives. Reveal yourself to them. And Lord, may the words that I speak that come out of my mouth not be from me, but may they be from you. It's your name I pray. Amen. So the first thing we're going to do this morning is, as I said, we want to look at some of those ways that we hold on to this worthlessness, the ways that we pack this item. Uh, the first way we do this is we do it through comparison, Right? So we compare ourselves with each other. Now, okay, it's human nature. Also, I get it, all right? My, my girls, they, they do Taekwondo, right? And they're pretty good at it. And they'll be out there on the mat, and I'll be watching their instructors and stuff doing it, and I'll be sitting up there in this little room. I can do that. Yeah, you know, you see these guys, they're doing these flying kicks, and they're breaking bricks, and I'm like, put that brick in front of me, and I'll show you what I can do with it. No, hey, hold on, this is the best one yet, right? My wife loves when I do this. So we'll pull up to a red light, right? And I'm in this busted out 06 Ford Explorer. I don't even have an air conditioner. We have three windows down. I said three. The fourth one's not down because Ashley doesn't want her hair to mess up, okay? I mean, she'd rather be pouring down sweat. Oh, I'm going to get in trouble for this. We, she'd rather be pouring down sweat than have her hair messed up, right? And so we're at the stoplight. We're like, oh, it's so hot. I have this belt that's just making this loud, obnoxious noise. And we're just like, oh, this is terrible. So, And this car pulls up next to you. You know, the one, the GT Mustang 5.0, that's just growling at you. I'm looking over, I'm like, seeing the guy has his aviator sunglasses on, his hair's all slicked back, and I'm like, you want to go? <laughs> right? Like, I can take you. Ashley's over there going, and her sweat is pouring down. She's like, oh my gosh, so embarrassed. Kids are in the back saying, get him, Dad, you can do it. And I'm like, we compare ourselves to each other, right? It's human nature, we do it. I mean, and some of the things are, it's just like that, it's funny. 
But you know, in all reality, when God calls us and he says, hey, I need you to do this, we have this tendency to go, whoa, God, do you know who you're talking to? Like, like, like God doesn't know, right? We're like, whoa, God, do you know, do you know me? I can't do this. Look at me, God. <laughs> when John asked me to preach today, <laughs> he sent me this text. And he goes, hey, David. He goes, you want to preach on July 21st? I wanted to send him back. Whoa, bro, you got the wrong number. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I didn't. I did send this back, though. I was like, um, before I say yes, Dude, John, why? Because I know there are guys and there's people in this church that would be a lot better than I I would be. You see, I started comparing myself to others that I know. I started looking at them, and I said, like, God, there's no way I can do that. Look, that person has more education. That person has more experience than me. That person's a better speaker. They're smarter than I am. I mean, I'm nobody, God. When I put myself in a group of other people, I'm like, whoa, I can't do that, God. Call one of them. That's what we do. And so by the time that I got done giving myself this pep talk, like <laughs> I was this tall. That's what we do. We compare ourselves. And we make ourselves feel worthless. Second thing we do, we dwell in our past. We look at our past mistakes and our failures. And we live there and we stay there. For my job, I work uh, at a nonprofit here in town, and one of the things we do, we host a monthly gathering. Uh, so we have a dinner at our house. Uh, we've had anywhere between 15 to 55 people show up in my house, and we eat a meal around a table. Uh, great times, love it. Um, I really enjoy sitting with the people that have lived in the neighborhood for a long time, right? The, the people that are the, the old timers, we call them, and listen to them talk. It's awesome. And they'll talk about going to school at the old elementary that's now closed. They'll talk about people who don't live there anymore, and they moved on, and they'll talk about just how things used to be. And it's awesome. I love hearing our history in the past. And don't hear me, our history in our past is very important. We need to share that. We need to remember that. I was a hospice chaplain one time volunteer, and I loved going in, sitting down and just talking and listening to the stories that they would tell us. I worked with guys that served during World War II. I worked with a lady who was, a, who was almost 98, and she was a, a second-grade teacher and sharing her stories and just listening to them share their wisdom and their knowledge. Our past and our history is great. But see, what happens, though, is when we start really doing the things that God wants us to do, we don't look out on our past successes and our past victories. We have a tendency to look back and say, hey, God, you see where I screwed up? God, I mean, I, I messed up royally right there. And let's fast forward right there and right there. God, I can't do this. I have too many failures and mistakes and sins in my past that there's no way going forward that I won't mess up again. We get stuck in our past, and we forget to keep moving forward. And because of that, we feel we're not worthy to do the things God wants us to do. And finally, last of all, we believe the lies that the enemy tells us. <laughs> 
So I used to work at this treatment center, and um, first service, I said I met my wife in rehab, but I won't do it this time. I didn't meet her in rehab, I promise. I just met her while I worked there. Um, so I used to work at this treatment center, and um, we mainly dealt with people with eating disorders, but we did have uh, people that came in for um, alcohol- alcoholics and, and uh, drug addicts and stuff like that. And one of my main jobs was I I took them to a lot of their AA meetings and stuff like that, Um, which actually led to some pretty funny conversations when my wife would call me and she'd be like, hey, how was your AA meeting today? How was your NA meeting day? Remember, her grandma's hearing the other side of this conversation, what she was thinking. We had to clear that up really quick, all right? So (laughs) her grandma's like, I need to talk to you about this guy. So, So, but I used to work here and I used to listen to some of these conversations uh, that the clients would have. And all of them who came, really one of the things that they really spoke about is feeling worthless. You see, especially, you got to think, this was over 15 years ago when I worked there. So things have changed. Things, I dare say, have gotten worse. So back then, you think of things, you, you got the internet, and you got television, and radio, and, and music, and all this stuff, and advertisement. What's it telling us? It's telling us how we're supposed to be, how we're supposed to act, what we're supposed to look like even. Now hear this, this isn't just for people that have addictions and who are dealing with stuff and treatment. This is for all of us. The world is telling us that we should live a certain way, do a certain thing, look a certain way. And I dare say, when we see that we don't do that, how do we feel? We feel like a failure. We feel worthless. But hear this. Right here, this is my main point. If I could illuminate it, put it in neon, blinking lights, I would. So hear this. Our worth and our value is not found in anything that we can do. Our worth and our value is found through God. Hear this. So good I'm going to say it twice, all right? So our worth and our value is not found in what we can do, who we know, the stuff that we have. Our worth is found in the one who created us. I used to create, I used to collect Hot Wheels. All right, I said it. I'm embarrassed. So I used to collect Hot Wheels. Yes, those little 99 cent die cast vehicles that you can buy from Walmart for like 99 cents, right? Okay, I used to collect them for about two to three years. I have boxes. Ask my wife. I have a store set, and there's boxes and boxes up on shelves. I'm hoping one day I'll be able to send my girls through college with those. But anyway, so I, I have these, all right? And I used to collect them for two to three years. And now, granted, there's not a lot of a big community here in Abilene that collect Hot Wheels. I used to work with a guy out at the airport that, that collects them too, and I got to know him, and we traded some, and I'm, I'm embarrassed. I used to buy some from him, and so um, one day I was talking to him, though, about Hot Wheels, and I was like, hey, buddy, I was like, what makes Hot Wheels so valuable? I go, listen, you have all kinds of die-cast metal vehicles that you could go to Walmart. There's a whole row of them you can buy, Matchbox, and there used to be JB Lightning, and now there's all these other things. You could buy all these cars, but Hot Wheels seem to be the most valuable ones. Why is that? He looked at me, and he said, because of who created it. Hear that. You see... 
tons of cars, tons of these little die-cast metal vehicles are sitting on the shelves, and the ones that are most valuable are the ones that have two words written on them that says hot wheels because a guy created them. So what does that mean for us? Listen, we are created, and we are worthy, and we have value because one created us, and we have children of God stamped on us, right? It's not because of who we are. It's not because we know a lot of people in the family we come from. It's not because we have all this stuff. It's because God created us that we have worth and value. Well, David, that's great. It's awesome, David. I love that. So let's go look at 1 Peter 2.9, and what we're going to dive into now is we're going to look at what Jesus and what God really says about us, and we are going to look at identity, our identity, who we are. Peter writes, the first thing he talks about is we are a chosen race. <laughs> a chosen race. So I love my daughters. If you don't know them, you need to get to know them. That's just all I'm going to say. They're great. They're awesome. Now, I will say this in all complete honesty and humility. My girls have an awesome father. You don't have to ask them. Don't talk to them about it. Just trust me on this one. They have an awesome father, right? But see, here's the thing. Even though my girls, and they are blessed, and I love them, and yes, they do have great parents. But see... My girls did not get to choose who their parents were. They were just born to us. They're stuck with us now. Good, the bad, they're stuck with us. We have some friends of ours that uh, have gotten big into fostering and adopting. I mean, they originally had four boys on their own. All four boys are graduated high school now. And they've, what, adopted like five girls and another boy. So, I mean, they're creating a football team. They passed basketball. He's going to football now. So, um, and they've, they've adopted a lot of these kids. And the oldest one that they adopted is just about a year younger than Abigail. And I'm looking at my wife because this is, this is, she keeps me time. Because I'll be saying, like, the youngest one, like, she's just, like, three years younger. She's like, so she's, like, a year younger than Abigail. And so we got to talking to her and asking her about this adoption process and what it means to be adopted she said these words. She goes, it means that someone chose me. Hear that. It means that someone chose me. They chose me over anybody else that they could have had. They picked me out of a group. They looked, they said, I want that one. Well, see, hear what God did. God didn't just pick us individually. He just didn't look at David and goes, I choose you, or Rich, I choose you. He looks and goes, I choose them, yeah. all of them. I choose that word race, a chosen race. This isn't individually. It's a people group. It's everybody. You see, God chose us. And here's the kicker, though. Here's the thing we've got to hear. God chose us because he loves us. You see, God didn't choose us because we're strong, because let's be honest, we're not. He chose us to give us his strength. 
He didn't chose us because of all our wisdom and smarts and stuff like that. He chose us because he wants to impart us with that wisdom. He didn't choose us because of anything we could have done in the past. He chose us because he has a plan for us to move forward, and he wants us to be a part of that. God chose us because he loves us, and he wants us to be with him. Second thing is, is we are a royal priesthood. So we have some other friends. Uh, their name's Adam and Allison. They're really great people. I love them. Um, the husband is in the Air Force, and he was stationed over in England for a while, and that's where he met his wife, Allison. Uh, that's also where they had their two boys, and they have this really strong English accent. It's pretty funny sometimes. I laugh at them. Um, they appreciate that. So... Um, we got to talking because there's some things that are totally different. Let's be honest, from England and America, right? I mean, they say things weird, like the boot is the trunk of your car. Do you know that? Didn't know that. She was talking about boots one day. I thought we were talking about shoes, but no, we weren't. Well, anyway, one day we got talking about the monarchy there in um, England, and it's a big thing. Honestly, I mean, it's so big that we get the news about it here, too. I mean, like, there's people here that aren't even English that follow this stuff. Now, I have done some extensive research on this subject, which consists of about 20 minutes in Google, all right? So, now there's something really interesting about royalty. So, to be a royal, you have to be born into the family. That's it. That's like the only requirement, right? You just got to be born to the right family. So back in uh, 2013, I, I found his name. I didn't have it the first term. It's Prince George. Um, he was born to William and Kate on July 22nd, 2013. He's about six now. I found that in my research. So on that same day, on July 22nd, 2013, the Englishmen printed up all these little things called silver pennies. And it was commemorative. If you had a child born on the same day as a prince, they gave you one of these pennies. If you had a boy, you got it in a little blue pouch. If you had a girl, you got it in a little pink pouch. And they gave you this coin. The funny thing about it is, though, no one hears anything about those other kids. Right? On that day, July 22nd, 2013, news coverage. Hey, they had a kid. This is, I don't even know if we saw a baby that day. But anyway, they just talked about having a kid this day. They didn't talk about all the other kids born in England that day. Why not? Well, evidently to them, don't hear me say this, God, to them, those other babies weren't as special. Because why? They weren't royal. You see, we are a royal baby. We are a son and a daughter. We are a prince and a princess of the king. Now, you didn't, now the king of kings, not just a king. We are the son and daughter, the prince and princess of the king. The king of all kings over everything. And just for that fact alone, because we are royal babies, we should hold our heads high. Second thing about that is not only are we royal, we are of a royal priesthood too. The priesthood line back in ancient Israel, the priests had the privilege only given to a few. You see, they were special. They had a high status. They were in good favor with the emperor too, but they were the ones that could go before God for the rest of the people. So they 
entered areas that only they could enter. They only talked to God, and people came to them and said, hey, this is my issue, and they blessed them, or they talked to God for them, and there's this separation. But now God says, no, you are a priesthood line too, which means there is no more separation. So not only are we royals, now we're kings and princesses and princes of a royal. We are also able to come to God whenever we want to now. We are of a royal priesthood. Last but not least, we are a holy nation. That term holy means set apart. Some scholars have translated that word nation to people group or ethnic group. So basically, we are a set-apart people. What are we set apart from? We are set apart to worship and praise God. A lot of people have taken it to mean holy. It means that we go to church on Sunday. It means that we have to dress a certain way. We have to look a certain way. We have to talk a certain way. We can't listen to anything but Christian music, right? Because that's just terrible. No, because if you actually read your Bible and you see during Jesus' time, there's another group of people that had a lot of rules and a lot of things that you had to do. They were called Pharisees, and Jesus came against them. If you read, the people that God got mad at was the religious group when they were setting the rules. And God goes, no, you are a holy nation set apart to praise and worship me. This is who we are. This is our identity. We are chosen. We are royal. And we are holy. We are set apart by God to praise and worship him. No longer when God tells us to do something, now we can look into the mirror and say, yes, God, I can. I'm not going to look at them. I'm going to be like, yes, God, choose me first, actually. No longer do we have to live in our past sins and our past failures. We can go, God, that is behind me. I am moving forward. And no longer do we have to believe the enemy when he tells you, you are not good enough. You can look at him and you say, just watch out. Right? Because that's who we are. I dare say this. As our worship team comes back today, there's someone here today that you walked in those doors and maybe you even thought, I don't belong here. I'm not worth enough to be here. What would this church want for me? I have nothing to give them. I've been there. That is heavy. That's gonna cost you a lot of money and it's gonna keep you from going a lot of places. I challenge you right now to unpack it. Get rid of it. I want to help you do that. I want to pray for you. We're going to stand here in a moment, and I want you to come forward. I want you to stand at this altar because where better to put it? Right? Right here. Thank you, God. God, thank you for this place. Thank you that you have called each one of us worthy, that you have called each one of us chosen, that you chose us. You looked at us from the moment that we were born, and you said, I choose them. Lord, you have set us apart 
You have set us apart to do your work and do your will. And Lord, thank you that I am able to look at myself in the mirror and say, I am a prince. Lord, thank you that we are all princes and princesses.